the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and each week we talk politics, Israel, and the law. 4 o'clock, 1280 a.m., The Patriots. You can hear it again on Freedom 1570 from 6 to 7 p.m. in the Midwest. And uh, all week long and well into the future on podcast, just go to that little icon on your smartphone. Put in Andrew Parker and uh, you'll get the Andrew Parker podcast. Hundreds of episodes. And those of late, I think, are insightful, but they are not just difficult to do, but often difficult to listen to as the world slides into a war on the uh, focus on moral clarity good and evil. We last saw at this level during World War II not having dealt with the evil of Nazism. Tens of millions of people died. And when you see evil like Nazism, it must be eradicated and eliminated. And the world has a difficult time with that. It has throughout the millennia. It doesn't face up to it often until it is either too late or nearly too late. And of course, raising the specter of Nazism is frowned upon. You can't compare anything to Nazism because it was so horrific. But what has happened over the last several weeks, and in particular on October 7th, is comparable. And so it has been used openly and discussed frequently in comparison. And lest we forget, there is a video accounting that, of course, those who don't want to admit or believe and have ulterior objectives simply claim 
are false and that the video is not real, never happened. Oh, it happened, and it was heinous. And we're going to talk about it today with someone uh, who knows, not just up close and personal, but who has studied the conflict for many years, well before October 7th, but from a journalistic news perspective, has been on top of this story from the very beginning and before. That's Jerusalem Bureau Chief for the Jewish News Syndicate, Alex Trayman. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today on the Victory Hour. Thank you for having me. So, I first, I, I want to get uh, an update on what is happening on the ground, what is happening in this war uh, between the Jewish state of Israel and Islamic extremists, terrorists of Hamas and beyond. Where are we uh, today in the war? Well, I think that you got it right that this is uh, the Islamic terrorists of Hamas and beyond. Certainly the the main battlefront is inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, The IDF has taken over most of the northern Gaza Strip, and you're starting to see that Hamas has really given up control of the Gaza Strip. And you see in the last 24, 48 hours, um, thousands and thousands of Gazans that had remained in the northern Gaza Strip are now heeding, finally heeding the IDF warnings to move south along corridors that the IDF is protecting to allow civilians to move from the, the main battlefronts in the north to the south where the IDF has guaranteed safe zones uh, for for civilians. Uh, and and ground operations are, are accelerating inside Gaza City, which is the largest city in the Gaza Strip, and it's where most of the uh, Hamas infrastructure is believed to be hidden, uh, as well as... Uh, potentially many of the hostages, but it's not the only front that's being fought on. Uh, the, the northern front with Hezbollah and southern Lebanon continues to heat up day after day after day with the Hezbollah attacking with the anti-tank guided missiles, um, mortars, drones, attempted infiltrations, and the IDF has also stepped up its reprisals inside southern Lebanon, hitting at many, many Hezbollah cells uh, and rocket launching infrastructure. So this this uh, border is, is turning from a a slow boil towards a rapid boil. And, and I think it's a very likely possibility that at some point uh, this could spill over into a full uh, multi-front battle. But then also you have Houthis in Yemen, which is uh, below Saudi Arabia, firing long-range missiles, testing the missile defense of Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the United States, for that matter, all of whom have shot down uh, long-range missiles. Israel had to use its uh, Arrow and David Sling long-range missile defense systems. One of the um, ballistic missiles was was shot down in the atmosphere. So, you know, we're, we're talking about like very significant weaponry fired at Israel, and, and also inside Syria, uh, Iranian terror proxies have been 
shooting mortars at Israel and have been moving weapons uh, and moving soldiers, Hezbollah uh, operatives, across Syria towards southern Lebanon. Uh, and, and so there has been fighting there as well, where Israel's hit sites inside of uh, Syria. And also the United States has hit sites in Syria and Iraq following Yeah, this past on, week, on the U.S. fired uh, into uh, Syria and, and could become more engaged. Correct. And that's on the outside of Israel's borders, because inside the borders themselves, also uh, in Judea and Samaria, which is commonly referred to in the international community as the West Bank, the IDF has been very active, making over a thousand arrests in the last few weeks, uh, bombing a a mosque with an F-16 because that mosque was holding a a terror cell that was planning an imminent attack. Uh, And there's also been terror attacks an increase in terror attacks over the uh, over the last few weeks, uh, just uh, in the last 48 hours. There was a stabbing of a border police uh, soldier who was an American uh, citizen who was in Israel and became a, a border police woman. She was just buried a couple of hours ago with tens of thousands of Ugh, people at her funeral. Uh, and just within the last hour, there's been a massive explosion inside in, in a lot uh, at a school. Uh, and they're still trying to figure out uh, what was the cause of that explosion. And inside the mixed Arab-Israeli cities like Jerusalem, where we're sitting now, you have 250,000 Arabs uh, living in contiguous uh, villages on the eastern side of the city. And we've seen over the years how the villages can become incited to join into conflicts like this. And uh, so there's a lot of tension inside inside Israel itself. So it could be going from multi fronts on the outside to also full fledged uh, intifada style violence on the inside as well. And the IDF has to contend with all of it simultaneously. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. It's sad. It is a country that has only from its inception uh, or reestablishment in reality, uh, the Jewish state of Israel that has only wanted peace and has wanted to live peacefully with its neighbors, has offered enormous uh, uh, concessions in order to achieve peace, all have been rejected by the Palestinians. And yet, in this country, the first thing you hear when you raise these issues with some, particularly on the far left, is, uh, well, you know, you are ignoring the humanitarian catastrophe that has occurred and been brought by the state of Israel. What is it that Israel is doing, in fact, as it relates to humanitarian issues, both in Gaza and outside? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that a lot of the context is, is obviously missing when people make those types of accusations. And it usually starts with the accusation that Israel is occupying the Palestinians. Right. And, and and if we take the Gaza Strip, for example, you know, Israel was inside the Gaza Strip until 2005. Its military was there. There, there was 8,500 civilians in 21 thriving Jewish communities. And Israel withdrew and evacuated those 8,500 residents from Gaza, completely withdrew their military from the For, Gaza. Forcibly evacuated. Forcibly. Yes. The, took the, the, out. These were communities of decades long uh, that had been built, and the Israeli government had encouraged them to be built. And then 
the Israeli government came in and forcibly evacuated and removed their own citizens from Gaza in order to give this to uh, uh, the, uh, the Palestinians. Right. Then they turned it over in 2005 to the Palestinian Authority. And, and Gaza was actually the pilot for an independent Palestinian entity. And had that pilot gone well and had, had Gaza responded positively and constructively to the Israeli withdrawal, that it would have it would have potentially paved the path toward a, a further withdrawal from parts of Judea and Samaria and, and led ultimately to a two-state solution. But what happened in 2000 and Let, let's and hold seven. on what uh because I, I do want to talk about exactly this on the other side of the break. Uh, we're talking with Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief for the Jewish News Syndicate. We're uh, talking about the, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the war that is currently going on in Israel, uh, the heinous crimes that were committed on October 7th. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about such things as uh, occupation, genocide, apartheid, a cycle of violence, and a lack of humanitarian aid and assistance. All things that are hurled at the Jewish state of Israel uh, by the far left out of complete either ignorance or simply hate and propaganda. In many ways, just like the... uh, the Nazis did during World War II. We'll be right back. This is the Victory Hour, and uh, I hope you'll stay with us. I know that you will. You, you, very uh, seldom do we get the bird's eye view and focus on such world issues as are going on today in the state of Israel as we are t- uh, today on the Victory Hour with Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief, Jewish News Syndicate. Stay with us. During this short break, go to parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and we are joined today by Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief, Jewish News Syndicate. And we're talking about, uh, again this week, and it will be for many weeks coming ahead, the war in Israel. People raise the issue when you talk about October 7th and what Hamas, the Hamas terrorists, the Palestinian terrorists did uh, in their attack on the state of Israel. Uh, At least 2,500 Hamas militants, terrorists, uh, breaching the borders of Israel and slaughtering innocent civilians. We've heard the stories. We've seen the video. We've seen the pictures. It is horrific, and they still hold over 240 hostages. 
When these issues are raised, as we were talking with Alex about on the other side of the break, people often talk about occupation. They talk about uh, the fact, uh, they may not use the word, but they're effectively saying Israel deserved it. Israel's conduct over the last many decades uh, has caused this, and they brought it on themselves. Uh, And that's what occupation does. Israel is now conducting genocide on a people, that is the Palestinians. And they have maintained a state uh, that is not, in fact, democratic, but is an apartheid state. Alex, what do you say to those assertions, accusations, attacks against the Jewish state of Israel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in Gaza, we created a Palestinian entity. It was rapidly taken over by Hamas. Billions of dollars in foreign aid was been pumped into Gaza in the last several years. And instead of using it to build up Gaza, they've used it to build down Gaza, to to build a, a labyrinth of tunnels underneath the Gaza Strip which are specifically used to protect Hamas fighters. Uh, you have the leaders of Hamas, like uh, Khaled Mashal and Ismail Haniyeh and others that are living in Qatar, uh, in living in fancy hotels, living fine lives, worth billions of dollars is being reported. So when you think about the billions of dollars that the leaders have uh, siphoned off so that they can live their lives in, in Qatar, like uh, Playboys, and then the billions of dollars that have gone into the tunnel infrastructure, and also all of the money that's gone into the tens of thousands of rockets that Gaza has fired at Israel, including close to 10,000 rockets just in the past uh, month. Um, And people don't even talk about it. They fired 10,000 almost rockets at Israel just in the past month. And it happens to be Israel can shoot them out, most of them with uh, the Iron Dome missile defense, but still 400 of them have hit the ground. And all of this money that has been spent for what you are referring to, including elaborate uh, buildings in Gaza itself that are spent for the Hamas leadership to live in or uh, uh, to entertain in. And all of this money that is spent and siphoned off was supposed to go to the Palestinian people, and the West has provided it, Israel has provided it consistently, but it is Hamas that has caused the humanitarian issues. Yeah, and it's not just Hamas. I mean, the Palestinian Authority, is, which took over the Strip in 2005 and which also governs uh, in Judea and Samaria and the West Bank, is not much better. You talk about... right. In- incitement to 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 violence in every opportunity they literally name public squares after terrorists that that are killed uh, you know suicide bombers those that were killed by the idf in the act of committing first degree murder against they were civilians. cheering in the streets after 9-11 exactly you talk about uh the textbooks and most of those textbooks funded by UNRWA, the UN Relief and Works Agency. Uh, you know, the, the people that are in their 30s and the God in the Palestinian societies today, you know, they grew up with textbooks that when they would go to math class, the math problem was if you have 10 Jews and you kill seven, how many Jews are left? And that's math. Right. You know, the people that are in the 30s today, they grew up watching the version of Mickey Mouse. Okay, that in the last episode of the series, after many years, the Mickey Mouse died as a 
is a suicide bomber, a martyr. Okay. This is a, this is a society that glorifies martyrdom and teaches to kill Jews. And you're not just making this up, just using it as example. These are real life, uh, experiences. You can just have. go on to sites. Yeah, you can go on to sites like right now, like Palestinian Media Watch, and you can watch videos of kindergarten summer camps uh, and graduation ceremonies for kids that are six years old where they are dressed up as terrorists and the other ones are dressed up like Jews and that the, they are reenacting scenes of murdering Jews. And this is that you could you could, any person can go online and see these videos right now. So what so what does Israel do? Right. So then if Israel builds a wall to stop suicide bombers from penetrating Israeli cities like like Ariel Sharon did in the years before he pulled uh, Israeli military out of Gaza and they built a wall there, too, because people said, look, just separate the societies and build a big wall. Right. And so that's what they tried to do. And they build the wall. And and well, that's an apartheid wall. Right. So, you know, in in Jerusalem, for example, this is a very important example. We have there's two major forms of transportation, public transportation in Jerusalem. You have buses and you also have a light rail. Okay. So you have bus systems and there's a separate company that services the Palestinian communities uh, in Jerusalem. Okay. And so when you have one bus system that services the, the Western and the Jewish communities, which by the way, Arabs can and go on all the time. But when you, you have two separate separate bus companies, so that's called apartheid, right? And then that's what the accusation is, right? But then when you have the light rail, and the right light rail goes through Jewish communities, Arab communities, and then Jewish communities again, back and forth. And so the accusation there was, well, that's occupation, right? Yeah. Because you're yeah. you're going it's so so when you have when you have communal transportation, that's occupation. When you have separate separate uh travel that's that's apartheid so it's a it's a lose-lose situation where there's nothing that israel can do to escape this dirty narrative uh that's being laid you know you made this this comparison in the beginning of the of the program between hamas and the nazis and you talked about the the violence on on october 7th and how that looked like the attacks that that you only see in these movies about the the Holocaust, when you go to Holocaust museums and stuff. But what about all of the propaganda? Okay, yeah. People forget how much Palestinian propaganda there is, and it looks exactly like Nazi propaganda. And so this, this idea that Israel is an occupier, this idea that Israel is an apartheid state, this these are essential components of the propaganda war machine uh, that the Palestinians have used uh, really for decades. Uh, and, and unfortunately, because people don't, haven't seen the situation on the ground themselves and they don't look deeper than what they hear. People buy into the propaganda and they level these accusations against one of the most peaceful and peace loving societies and liberal societies in the world. That's that's the state of Israel. Yeah, and it's horrific. We're seeing it in the streets of the United States. The amount of misinformation that has been sold and peddled to uh, students who are now in their 20s, and that's all that they have lived with, this pack of lies, Joseph Goebbels-type Nazi lies uh, have come out, and, and, and it was uh, a conscious effort of propaganda by Yasser Arafat uh, at the beginning uh, some 50 years ago that he continued to pound on and that he inculcated into Palestinian society and then into the West, and the West has bought into it. 
and it is uh, uh, it has created the anti-Semitism that has crossed the world that is built upon these lies, these fundamental lies that now when you say, uh, you know, the, there is no occupation, this is not occupied land. The indigenous people of this land are the Jews, the Jewish people. Uh, the indigenous people are not the Palestinians. Palestinians didn't even exist when Jews were in this land. And if you don't want to go back that far, you can pick any particular time, and Jews have always been in this land. This this idea of occupation is is false. Genocide, ridiculously false, totally false. Uh, apartheid, same as you've just described it. Uh, and it's interesting that people talk about uh, uh, apartheid and exclusion. Jews, hundreds of thousands were removed, kicked out of after thousands of years of uh, existing and coexisting in Arab countries, were kicked out of Arab countries, and they were taken in uh, by Israel. They're not refugees. They don't have a special committee uh, at the UN uh, like the Palestinians do. There is no basis uh, for it whatsoever. Uh, we're talking to Alex Trayman, Jerusalem bureau chief, of the with the uh, Jewish News Syndicate, and uh, you know, fascinating uh, discussion and very important for people uh, to understand what is actually happening and not what you are reading in the Western media. It's embarrassing how ignorant the West is about this conflict that has been going on for uh, for decades. Uh, Alex. I want to talk about also the the idea of the death and killing, uh, intentional or otherwise, of uh, uh, innocent civilians in Gaza and what is actually happening as it relates to that. Uh, we all know that the Israelis conduct warfare in the, perhaps the most moral and ethical manner of any uh, army anywhere in the world. And they have done that as it relates to Gaza. And we're going to talk on the other side of this short break about uh, how that happens, what the facts are on the ground. Is this inhumane uh, killing, intentional killing of civilians? Uh, or is it measure upon measure to protect civilians and to maintain as much as possible humanitarian assistance, even to the point of humanitarian pauses during warfare, which the Israelis have instituted uh, during this particular war. So we're going to talk about that on the other side with Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief for the Jewish News Syndicate. Make sure to stay with us. Uh, very interesting discussion and, you know, just the facts. That's what we want, the facts that are supported by truth, not on the foundation of the pack of lies that has been uh, pushed out over the past month, years, decades by the Palestinians. Sadly, very sadly. We'll be right back. Stay with us. It's the Victory Hour. Go to ParkerDK.com. Be a
back. It's the Victory Hour. We're talking to Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, Alex Treyman, and we're talking about the war in Israel uh, and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict generally, something that uh, people you would think know more about but really know very little about. And so they buy into what are... Uh, categorically untrue propaganda statements and uh, campaigns that have been going on for years. With this war, one of the central issues is the treatment uh, and casualty of innocent civilians. And of course, in any war, uh, that is always a central issue. Alex, how are the Israelis handling that issue? Yeah, so the Israelis are actually taking more efforts to prevent civilian casualties inside Gaza than any military in the history of warfare. And I actually think that the that the activities of the IDF in Gaza are going to be studied as the gold standard for how to try to prevent civilian casualties in Gaza. So you're hearing reports that uh, 10,000 people as of this this show have been killed in Gaza. And they're telling you that that's civilians and includes women and children. So first of all, there's a few things about that number uh, that are important to understand. First is that the Gaza Health Ministry that reports how many people have been killed in Gaza, that is an organ of Hamas. And Hamas wants the world to think that as many Israel's killed as many civilians as they can possibly get away with. Now, this is the same Gaza Health Ministry that reported on October 17th that the IDF had hit a hospital in the Gaza Strip and killed 500 people. And that was a report that was immediately uh, rebroadcast by the AP, Reuters, New York Times, BBC, CNN, and others. Above the, the fold, they all reported it. <laughs> yeah, Sure. The only thing is that within, within minutes, basically... Maybe it took it took the IDF about an hour, but not only was it not the IDF that hit the hospital, it was an errant Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that uh, was fired towards the northern city in Israel, Haifa. So it was a long range rocket. Second, it didn't hit the hospital. It hit the parking lot outside of the hospital. And you can see some of the shrapnel on the facade of the building, but the hospital still standing completely intact. Uh, and and see, because it hit a parking lot at 1230 at night, it's not possible that 500 people were killed. And and a- according to some estimates, there were maybe as little as 20 people killed, if not less. Uh, you know, so but that was the same Gaza Health Ministry reported that the IDF had hit it and that 500 were killed. So the so conclusion, the, the conclusion, Alex, is you can't believe Hamas and its reporting the health ministry or otherwise and the only reason that you would believe them is if you are anti-semitic if you have a horse in this fight that you want to ride yeah sure and the, the second thing is let's say let's say that you were going to take them at their at their number of 10,000 well how many of them were were Hamas militants Right, you're not knowing how many Hamas operatives were killed within that number. Who are the who are the ob- objective targets of the IDF? They're trying to kill as many militants as possible as operatives. Um, so you don't know that. Now, 
fine. Now, aside from all that, what's the idea of doing to prevent civilian casualties? So first of all, uh, more than a week before they launched the ground incursion into the Gaza Strip, they they announced that the incursion was going to be in the northern section of the Strip, and they told everyone to move out of the northern sections of the Gaza Strip. They dropped leaflets, Okay, and uh, President Isaac Herzog in his meetings with world leaders just this week, he he announced that Israel has dropped millions of leaflets, sent millions of text messages via SMS and also via WhatsApp, and made millions of phone calls, automated phone calls to residents in the Gaza Strip, telling them where to move, which routes to take, at what times to go. Um, and so you have to ask yourself, well, if you've gotten these leaflets and these phone calls and these text messages from the IDF, you know, why have you stayed in your home, knowing that your home is a potentially a target? Now, why is your home a target? Your home is a target because Hamas hides among civilians and they hide their weapons uh, below residential houses. They hide them in schools. They shoot rockets from schools. They hide them in mosques. Many, many mosques have been found to have uh, weapons in them and also, it's it's being reported over and over again that Hamas uses hospitals as its central bases of operation. The the Al Shifa hospital, which is the one that keeps coming up in the in the news more and more, that the IDF is going to bomb a hospital. This is everybody knows that the headquarters of Hamas is under the hospital, and and there's a reason why Hamas sets up their base under the hospital so that the IDF won't potentially bomb the hospital because they know of the damage. Now. You know, Israel's very precise with its strikes. They they are identifying military targets and they are they're hitting them with absolute precision. And and only in the last few days have many more of the Gazans of the northern strip uh you know moved down south and the IDF is protecting their passage and making and it's actually Hamas that there there are videos showing showing people being murdered along the route because Hamas has been killing people in order to try to convince people to stay in the north. So you have to ask yourself, you know, why why is that happening? The IDF at the same time is permitting humanitarian aid to go into the southern Gaza Strip, even even as the families of the hostages in Israel are saying, how on earth can you provide humanitarian aid to Gaza when they're holding 240 hostages? Right. So Israel's doing all this. And the reason why they're doing it, it, it's a horrific double standard that's being placed on Israel to protect the the civilian cash to, to lower the number of civilian casualties uh, by the international community. And they're doing it because the, the support of the international community is so important to them. Yeah. And it, it's, in some, the Israelis take all of these actions to protect civilians to protect those who are not Hamas combatants, to protect those who are not uh, Nazi sympathizers, if you will, comparing it back to World War II, Hamas sympathizers. Because if you are, you're not going to leave your home. You want to fight side by side with Hamas. Well, then you become a combatant. And then, you know, you assume the risk by staying. Did the allies, did the Russian forces during World War II do anything like what Israel is doing or even attempt to? No, because Germans and German society had become a part of Nazism. And in Gaza, if you still live there after decades plus of Hamas rule, 
You become a supporter of Hamas. And I'm not saying that every Palestinian needs to be wiped out who lives in Gaza. But after all of these attempts to get people to leave, if you are still there, you either A, assume the risk, or B, you are a Hamas combatant. Whether you are 15 years old or a mother, you support Hamas and you are in support of their uh, war machine and what they did on October seventh, uh, and so you know it it is a a debate that is going on. But the West needs to understand and stand behind Israel to rid this area of this evil, because following that, we may well be able to get to some peace. And I want to talk about that on the other side of uh, this break, Alex. Uh, the wider picture, the broader picture of peace in the Middle East. Uh, Coming up to October 7th, Israel and Saudi uh, Arabia were said to have been very close to a peace deal, which is now on the back burner and and may have been destroyed. But uh, Iran, of course, didn't want to see that. So the question becomes... What is it that caused Hamas to take this action at this particular time? And who is really behind it all? And what are the prospects for peace going forward? We're going to talk about that with Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. On the other side of this break, make sure to stay with us. Just be a short break. Go to parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. Andrew Parker, you're listening to the Victory Hour. We're joined today by Alex Trayman, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News uh, Syndicate, and we're talking about the war in Israel and uh, truth, good versus evil, the objectives that the Israelis have. The Israelis simply at the point of the spear for world humanity here fighting the battle for the world uh, for good to eradicate evil. And they're being criticized and attacked in the media, across policy, decisions being made in the West repeatedly. We're talking about some of the bases of those attacks and Alex, before we get further into uh, kind of the broader geopolitical issue, I wanted to get a sense of uh, the morale in the state of Israel today and particularly uh, the difficult scenes that you see in the United States and how Israelis respond to what you see here in terms of the rallies and support for Hamas. 
Yeah, the the rallies are very disappointing uh, to Israelis, and I think they're very disappointing to American Jews. It you know points to greater failure to deal with uh, anti-Semitism as it started to bubble up on university campuses as many as 20 years ago when you started to see the first Israel apartheid weeks and the apartheid walls being built by student groups on the campus and the rise of groups like Students for Justice in Palestine. And and, it was ignored. It was ignored. Completely ignored. Uh, You know, I was I was involved in it at the time I was in the U.S. and I was involved in campus activities. And it was a decision to to ignore it and to to just sort of let it take it run its course. And so we're seeing the effects of that now, not dealing with it 20 years ago. Um, But uh, you asked about the morale in Israel, and I, I would say that the morale in Israel is is very, very strong, uh, very strong. And I think people thought that in Israel there was there was these divisions, and you, you talked before about the timing of the war, and I, I think that uh, you know some of the divisions that took place inside of Israel, political divisions over Prime Minister Netanyahu, over judicial reform, which we're not going to get into, uh, but that caused a lot of internal dissent division, you know, was was one of the factors that I think led Iran and its terror proxies to think that Israel was in a weakened state. But what they didn't understand is that an attack like this is the unfortunately the best medicine for internal divisions uh, because the Israeli people have united and everybody knows somebody who, uh, you know, lost somebody on October 7th in this country. Uh, And there's over 300,000 Israeli soldiers, including hundreds of thousands of reservists that were called up. And so every Israeli has a father, a son, in some cases, a daughter, you know, a brother, a sister or best friend, that is currently inside Gaza or on the Gaza envelope or on the northern envelope right now against in southern Lebanon. Uh, and the value that Israel places on the life of each one of these soldiers and on the life of each person that was lost is so immense. Like the it's the exact opposite of the of the the glorification of martyrdom. And Israel is a glorification of life and the, the the value of life. So you know the entire Israeli public is is galvanized around the support uh, for the IDF right now. And you know it has this is not like some other some other cycle of violence or some other round or some other operation. Israelis view what Hamas did on October seventh as a declaration of war, and Israel knows that it cannot afford to win a war or to lose a wars rather you know it's a, if israel loses a war then it, it could cease to exist so israelis understand this is a war and they are intent on winning and and the the morale is going to be high of course provided that israel does win and and the way it's going so far it's looking pretty good well uh uh just to give everyone a uh, a sense of it uh, what happened on October 7th and the number of uh, uh, injuries but but also deaths and the murders that occurred is equivalent to well in excess of 10 uh, 9-11s here in the United States when you talk about uh, pro, pro rata, pro, uh, per capita uh, numbers. Uh, and so that's what Alex is talking about when he says virtually everyone in the country knows someone uh, who either knows someone or directly is related to someone who was uh, greatly affected uh, by the events of October 7th. And now hundreds of thousands have been called up. 
and and many, many people from around the world have gone to Israel to fight side by side with the Israelis. The geopolitical issue is one of interest, and the United States obviously has an enormous part in it. Uh, Just very quickly, we've got 30 seconds. Uh, Who is behind all of this? It's one word. I can make it very quick. It's Iran. You know, Iran is the the, the chief prox, the the chief uh, terror, leading state sponsor of terror in the world. Hamas is is a proxy. Hezbollah is a proxy, and they're on the verge of becoming a nuclear power. And uh, you we've got to we, we've, we've got to stop it in it. Yeah, we've got to stop it in its tracks. Thank you all very much for joining us, Alex. Thank you very much, Alex Trayman, Jerusalem bureau chief, Jewish News Syndicate. Be with us next week. We're going to continue to discuss Israel and uh, the war. It should be uh, very interesting. And watch this coming week because a lot will be happening. Thank you, Alex. And thank you. Until next week, have a great week. Mercy and hope. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.